Um, that's probably the worst start to a podcast ever. Just um? Um, followed by five seconds of silence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. Okay, well, last week, we... I can't remember what we do last week. Oh, we got into a pretty heated argument about... The Dark Knight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was technically the other podcast. But yeah, we talked about the Dark Knight for a it while. It was the yeah. last week. Okay. Which is where the following comes in. Uh, I texted Nick and proposed the idea of uh, each of us making like a top hundred movies (parentheses) that we've seen list. And you felt good about it. Did you? Yeah. You think it's a good idea? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Any concerns? No, what would I be concerned about? Actually, no, I am yeah. very concerned about it. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. I don't think I've seen 100 movies. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. I think you're going to be surprised that Why? I've always seen a total of 50 movies. <laughs> like, probably. <laughs> the shock on my face. <laughs> I was thinking about things like, uh, I guess specifically, uh, TV. I feel like that'd be like that'd have to be like a top twenty-five list or something. Cause yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, how many TV shows have you seen to completion? To completion, especially TV shows that you would consider like best TV shows of all time. Like I've seen all of Seinfeld. I've only seen five episodes of The Sopranos. I've seen all of Breaking Bad. Okay, before we start this, quick, what's your top five TV shows of all time? Top five TV shows of all time with Christopher Crumley. Um, and Nick Johnson. Thanks for the Will you do your five, too? Yeah, of course I would do my five. Uh, this is just up to, the top of my head. Obviously, it's going to be varied in genre. Um, I would say Seinfeld's on there. Uh, I would say The Twilight Zone's definitely on there. I would say The X-Files are definitely on there. Uh, Breaking Bad is. And then... Number five, God, let me really try to think. Uh, What else is really fucking on there? Just a crazy TV show. Uh, Maybe I should throw... I don't know what to... For the last slot, I want to give some love to my, my British comedies. But I don't know if I should give the British office... The spot that it deserves for cultural impact because it birthed obviously the American office and boo, you know. Um, or if I should do, I don't know, like Peep Show or Extras because I think Extras. I wouldn't say that's best movie of all time. So not best movie, best TV show. Whatever, we'll say the British Office. I'll throw that on there. But it's more so like just a stand-in for representation's sake. I'm a very big fan of a lot of television shows from across the sea. But other than that, like pretty much said like probably 70 percent of the tv shows i've seen yeah all of right yeah you know i don't know what about you uh probably 
Because there's a lot in the last couple years where, like, oh, they have one season, then they get canceled or whatever. But I don't know if they'll necessarily make the list. Yeah, I get that. Uh, probably Twin Peaks. Oh, fuck. I forgot to mention Twin Peaks. Okay. Twin Peaks, Breaking Bad, Doctor Who, all of it. Like, all 50 years of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doctor Who counts for my British one, but for, like, British, like... British, British TV? I want to say... In my personal opinion, probably Flight of the Concords would be my three. That's like New Zealand. Actually, yeah, no, they're they're, they're New Zealand and on American TV. So, yeah, I'm going to say uh, Flight of the Concords. Okay. How many is that? That's Twin Peaks, Breaking, Breaking Hill, Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad, Flight, Flight of, of the, the Concords. Concords. You get one slot left. Uh, community. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even mention Columbo. I'd definitely throw Columbo on there. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. What else? I feel bad none of my are old. That's okay. Yeah. Well, Doctor Who. True. Oldest TV show in existence. Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, it's the oldest running show. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to throw a cartoon on there, but I can't think of one. Oh, yeah. That'd be good, too. Yeah. Like, uh, I even think not only The Simpsons, but Futurama should yeah, be up on there. Futurama is the one I was going to say. Rick and Morty genuinely probably gets a slot, even though it's a little cringy to say right now. My top 25? Yeah, probably. Yeah. What else? Uh, cartoons, cartoons. And again, like, it's one of those things where, like, you have to be a little objective. Just a little. Like, Family Guy probably even gets a slot. It's mm. a huge, huge cultural thing. Yeah. You know. I'd probably put, like... Because, like, half of the reason why something like The Wizard of Oz ends up on a top 100 list is, like, obviously it's a fantastic movie. I love it, but also it's just so important culturally. <laughs> you know, they're like, part of the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. Like, that it's got to go on there, kind of, you know. I'd probably put... <sighs> I'm torn between... The Looney Tunes? Just in general. And Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Well, I'd give it to the Looney Tunes over Tom and Jerry. Like personally. cultural impact and stuff like that, yeah. But in my in my heart of hearts, I'm more of a Tom and Jerry guy. Yeah, I always liked I always liked uh the Looney Tunes more growing up. Yeah, me too. But I felt like Tom and Jerry was on more and I saw yeah. way more Tom and Jerry growing up, so I have more of an affinity for it. Well, I'm not gonna lie, a lot of the times when I turned on Cartoon Network and that was on, I was always like, Man, what is it? Sunday? Come on, give me a real cartoon. <laughs> Where's Beyblades at? Come on. Would you put any of the the cool Cartoon Network uh, Renaissance shows on there? Like regular show Adventure Time or I'd try to put Adventure Time on there. I don't think regular show would necessarily get one. I don't know. I've never seen regular show, but from what I hear, people like it probably more than Adventure Time for people. Uh, I like it a decent amount. It's kind of like. just regular. It's got a little more in common with like just movies from the '90s, kind of like Swingers or Clerks, where it's just about a couple of just regular Joes mm-hmm. going through regular problems, you know. And it's very relatable, especially like you know if you're a teen, and like the f- you know 13 to like maybe even 18, 19 bracket. It's you know grown up, but not in the way that like r- regular show or I mean Adventure Time is. Yeah, you know. It's a little more humdrum. I like it. I like it, but I, I don't think I would I would give it a slot over Adventure Time. But I mean, on the topic of cartoons, I think Gravity Falls could get one easily. Um, never seen. I've never seen a second of Gravity Falls, but uh, people always tell me it rips. Yeah. What else could get a slot easily? Dug a dug a dug a over the garden wall. 
is fantastic. I'd probably, you know, that would definitely hands down make the 25 list. That one's a really, really neat thing. It's a really special thing. Yeah, I've never seen that either. Yeah. Whenever someone says it, I think Over the Hedge. Do you mm-hmm. remember that movie? Yeah. I don't, but I just remember the poster. Every time someone says Over the Garden Wall, I picture the Over the Hedge poster. How do you feel about Shark Tale? I had nothing Shark Tales. I saw it once at like a like a uh, a parade festival thing. I mean, not a parade. Pro- yeah, a festival. They just like at the end of the thing, everyone sat on the hill and watched a movie, and for some reason they showed all 500 people Shark Tales. Okay, so you were talking about Shrek? Oh, yeah, Alicia was saying that uh, that would easily make her top 100. I've seen Shrek in probably since Shrek came out. I think the Jinx would make it. That was something I was pretty bummed out about about my top 100 list, actually, is that it doesn't include a documentary. Oh, yeah? And I feel like that's a decent enough legitimate genre that, like, probably should have gotten, like, yeah. one or two in I can't it. even think what documentary we put on there. I love documentaries. <sighs> I thought about Super Size Me, but I knew for a fact that I'd get crucified if I tried to say that. No, I'd let you have it. Yeah. I kind of go to task for that one sometimes. Probably so. I think it's solid. Yeah. So, anyways... There's some backstory. There's some TV stuff. Yeah. All right, so where's this fucking list, Chris? Yeah, it's in no particular order. Oh, I mean, I guess it is in a particular order. It's in the order of uh, me thinking of movies. <laughs> so number one's not your favorite movie? No, by no means. Mm. No, absolutely not. That's how my list is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't be objective about it. No, and I couldn't imagine ranking either. Because, like, how do you compare something like, I don't know, Rangers of the Lost Ark to, like, Clue or fucking Citizen Kane to fucking Once a time, Upon a Time in Hollywood or something, you know. Um, I'll just give some honorable mentions real quick. Okay. I'm actually genuinely, like I said, these were fencers that I was like, these movies are, have enough going for them. They don't also need me to co-sign necessarily. They're fantastic. No disrespect. Nothing like that. You know what I mean? Absolute honor, honorable mention to Star Wars a New Hope, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those two movies, nothing wrong with them. Wow. Love them. They're great. Wow, what? I'm surprised Star Wars didn't make your list. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's no disrespect. It's just that, like, uh, there was a certain point where... Um, I don't know how to put it other than, like, for some reason inside of me, I didn't want to necessarily put them on there because... I abandoned pretty quickly the idea that this was a list of anything other than my top 100. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I feel the way me and you have talked about specifically Star Wars yeah. A New Hope. Yeah. Like yeah, like, just like, like I said, I, 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 I consider it akin to Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? uh, and Raiders is also a fantastic um, action movie. Nothing That's like it. I'd say maybe we could talk about it probably more when it's on my actual list. Yeah. My when it's on my yeah. list. Not yours. Well I was sorry, I was filling in your words. I was finishing yeah. your sentence for you. Fucked yeah. up. What's that? I said that's fucked up. We'll probably talk about it more when we get to my list, but I think Raiders is the best action movie. If not the only good one. There I said. You think it. the only good one? Well, there's one that I would say is a contender in my opinion, but it's actually technically a Western. But I really think you should watch it. It's on my list. Okay. okay. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the numbers associated with these, but that's just to give us an idea of where we're at in the list. And that is not indicative of any of these movies' values. First movie I thought of was uh, Taste of Cherry. Okay. Now, this is one of these movies where, like, obviously not every single one are we going to stop and, like, talk about. But there are definitely some that, like, I feel like I have something to mention about. Um, I think you should check this movie out. It's part of, like, a movement in cinema for, like, absolute realism. Like, there's no uh, soundtrack that isn't, like, also, like, what is it? Diegetic. Diegetic. Yeah, yeah, diegetic. And one of the other things that, like, really blew me away, it's such a small detail, but, like, there were multiple times during conversations between the actors that, like, ambient sounds of the city and, like, construction and shit like that actually drowned out what the actors are saying, and they'll have to repeat the lines for the other actors and stuff like that. Um, but it's an Iranian movie. It's an Iranian... I think it's technically, like, their new wave... I think there are a lot of, like, you know, countries that kind of have, like, like the French New Wave is a very specific thing, right? But I think a lot of countries have their, their quote-unquote, new wave. Yeah. And Ira- Ira- Iran's was centered around that, like, the idea of realism. And just a quick synopsis is, like, it's a guy who's going around all night um, trying to convince somebody to take money from him to basically, like, come by in the morning and see if he's still alive after he, like, spends the night laying in a shallow grave on a hillside. And, yeah, the movie is just, like, like he picks up, like, a young kid, and then he, like, he picks up a young guy who's, like, in the army, and then he ends up, like, stumbling upon these guys that are, like, working, like, kind of, like, security, kind of, I think, or something like that at, like, a construction site. And they just have, like, kind of, like, long conversations about, you know, just, like, the meaning of life and, you know, morality and stuff, because a, a lot of the people who, like... He asks, uh, another big, like, contextual thing is that um, specifically suicide is very, very, it's obviously taboo in general, but it's especially taboo in, like, Iran, from my understanding, from the context that I was given about the film. From your short period of time staying there. Yeah. So that was the context I was given about, like, why these people are so obviously against it. I mean, obviously, probably same thing would happen here in America or whatever, but anyways. So Taste of Cherry, uh, number two, Moonlight. Okay. Yeah, Moonlight is fucking out of control. Uh, That's one of those movies where, like... Okay, let me make this grand statement about the Top 100 list. Um, One of the things that kind of bummed me out as I was making it was that so many of them boil down to, like, white man doesn't know how to outlet his negative feelings other than to pick up a gun and go get some fucking revenge, (laughs) right? And so, like, this is a movie that I would say, in my opinion, again, I know this is a stretch, I know that this is crazy, but I think it's probably, like, as good as something like The Godfather or There Will Be Blood, the only difference being that it's not centered around, you know, violence and uh, and aggression and stuff like that. It's this, you know, very beautiful and poetic and well-paced, intimate story that you don't see often, you know? You don't really see... Do these guys just ride motorcycles while we're doing a goddamn (laughs) podcast? I think they're motorcycles. I think they're just, you know dirt bikes or whatever, you know. And do they only do it at 8 o'clock on Mondays? <laughs> Fucking Christ, man. Sorry, go on. Uh, number three, uh, There Will Be Blood. Right off. Just a phenomenal movie. Nothing really to be said. Number four, The Godfather. Nothing really to be said. Um, I keep trying to get you to watch it because I genuinely think that uh, it's like legit straight up the same vein as you know, Breaking Bad. It's the same story. So is There Will Be Blood. And so is another pick of mine, which is uh, 
going to come up at some point. Citizen Kane, they all kind of tell that story of, you know, the fall from grace, right? And just like, or even like kind of Nightcrawler. They're all the same kind of thing where you just watch someone get worse and worse and worse. Just mm-hmm. break badder and break badder and break badder. So anyways, yes, number four is The Godfather. Number five, No Country for Old Men. Uh, just a phenomenal movie. My biggest problem with this one, I don't remember if it's in the movie, but it's in the book. I will say that it's with enough. It's said with enough nuance that I give it a pass because it seems like it's said with. Uh, it, it's it's the Jami, uh, Jami, Tommy Lee Jones uh, line where he says uh, he just he's kind of talking about like how he gets older. And he's like he's like I just see more and more fucked up sadistic shit in the news, and it seems like everything is going to hell. That kind of a thing. And uh, I just, I, I don't, I, I know that it's like a natural thing that happens to everybody as they get older. They think the world's going to shit or something like that. But, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know. The world's always been shit. You yeah, just have not, seen more and yeah, more of it. So it seems anywhere. more and more yeah. frequent. If anything, it's getting a little better. Murder rates are on the decline. Have been for about 80 years. Yeah. So anyways, uh, number six, Daisies. It's a Polish experimental movie. Uh, just about a couple of young gals. And uh, I don't want to describe it other than like maybe a bit hedonistic. I don't know. Uh, they're just kind of running around, having a good time, fucking around. There's a lot of really interesting um, like practical kind of like effects and, and weird shit that they do with the film and, and shots and stuff. The movie's really comprised of them kind of like taking guys on dates for the sake of like their money. Like, they're old dudes. Just old, yeah. wrinkly dudes. And Anyways, uh, number seven, Psycho. Uh, we've talked about that still. I've never seen a movie do that, like... Bait and switch. Not that, yes, that, 100%. That was one of the things I was going to say, but also just, like, such a, like, stiff, like, genre change. Like, it's, like, you know how we always make fun of, like, the idea of, like, yeah, it's a superhero movie, but it's also, yeah. like, Ocean's Eleven. It's one of those things where, like, Psycho does that so naturally. It's, like, straight up a noir film that intersects with a horror film. Yeah. It's so crazy. I remember watching it for the first time and being like, what? And, uh, again, just, like, seeing The Godfather, it's one of those things where, like, everybody always talks about, oh, Psycho's so good. Then you watch it, and you're like, yeah, dude, I've legit never fucking seen that before. It's out of control. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, number eight, India Song. Uh, number nine, Magnolia, which actually made probably, I'm assuming, IMDb's uh, list. Uh, it was uh, number five of the 90s. Really? Number five movie of the 90s. What was number one of the 90s? Don't remember offhand. Mm. Maybe Titanic or something. I don't Ooh. know. Who knows? I'm pulled out of my ass. Uh, number 10, Blair Witch Project. Very cool. And it's one of those things where I tried to pick a couple of things like that, and I'll, 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 I'll shout out some of the other examples that I, I have, or maybe I'll even forget. But I wanted to include some stuff that, like, I think that one gets gets it, you know, on cultural uh, impact, on actually being a solid movie, right? Like, just a really, really good experience. And I don't think we've, I mean, finish your sentence, finish your thought. Yeah. Was that it? No, I was just gonna say that it's it's also one of those picks where like uh, I it has kind of a special place in my heart because it's like oh this is something that movies can be, yeah. Also, we yeah know? we we haven't talked about it on here yet, but we watched Blair Witch a few days ago. But real quick, right yeah. here, me and Chris always not debate but share our thoughts about that movie here and there, and mm-hmm. I I'm like yeah it's whatever I get what it is it's yeah. a start not the start but like the explosion and the real. Uh, foundation for found footage movies mm-hmm. and it's such a smart simple idea or whatever and I'm like yeah but 
It's 2020. It doesn't really age that well. Yeah. Me and Chris watched it the other night. I guess I have never seen The Blair Witch. Oh my <laughs> fucking god, that movie scared the dog shit out of me. Yeah, I'd I was like on edge for like three days. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I said, the one thing I'll say real quick is like one of my favorite things about that movie, not my absolute favorite, is that like if they're just lost in the woods, that's a scary fucking movie. Yeah, like that. Like if they're just hallucinating all this shit, <laughs> and it really like the the big like kicker at the end is that they just got lost and starved to death or whatever. Yeah. That's fucking the scariest found footage movie I've ever heard of, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, this stuff is happening, you know? Yeah, like I like I knew the basic premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. Is like, yeah, they get lost and this shit happens and I'm watching it and they get lost and they start arguing with each other mm-hmm. and it is unlike anything I've ever seen where mm-hmm. it's not like, well, you're supposed to know where to go. It's mm-hmm. like no one's really yelling at anyone yet it's yeah. just kind of tense and yeah. they're like starting to kind of point fingers mm-hmm. and it just gets a little bit worse and a little bit yeah. worse and a little bit and the entire time i'm like fuck there's no witch shit going on yeah. and i am f- so tense right now well yeah because there's a couple of things one which is that it like it's like the x-files and shouts out camille nanjiani's x-files files um the thing that they talk about all the time is that it's the last great tv show pre- explosion of the internet you know so there's so many little things that are extra scary because you wouldn't have your smartphone in your pocket right like one of the biggest things being that almost every episode ends up being kind of about like the world changing as a whole right Mm -hmm. like uh it's something that even like modest mouse's lonesome crowded west is about like the mall fucking of america yeah right like you know isaac brack talks a lot about um in song format, but I've also heard him talk a lot in interviews about how, like, he can remember growing up in the early 70s and towns being consistent, that, or that towns, like, consisting of, like, oh, Mr. Smith's lock shop, Mrs. Margaret's grocery yeah. store, and then, you know, within 10, 15 years, suddenly it's the 80s, and it's just Rite Aid, Bowricks, Walmart, Rite Aid, Bowricks, Walmart, yeah. you know? And uh, same thing with, like, The X-Files. It's kind of about, uh, like, globalization, right? So every episode, they end up going to these small towns, right? And uh, these people in these small towns that, like, you know, something Camille says all the time is he's like, they're like little small towns that when you're on a road trip in the 90s, you might stop off into piss and be like, what the fuck is going on here? There's yeah. something weird about this place, you know? He's like, I'm not saying that we would, like, stumble into town and there'd be a fucking wear monster, but I am saying that, like, you know, it gives you that vibe of, like, when you're on a road trip and you don't actually know where you're going and you stop at a weird little place and you're like, it feels like the rest of the world has no idea this place exists. Yeah. You know? Um, and and that larger thing of like Mulder and Scully are always believing these poor people and these you know you know forgotten people in the backwoods of America who say like oh my god there's all this crazy stuff and stand up for them in the face of big government right like excuse me this this force that's kind of um, moving in punching down erasing all of uh, yeah. the interesting you know features of uh, the face of America. Anyways, we'll talk about Blair Witch here soon. Uh, number 11, Good Time. Okay. Yeah. The Did you see it? Robert Pattinson, uh, yeah. uh, Safety Brothers movie? Yeah. Uh, no, I have not seen it yet. It's on my list. Yeah, it's one of those movies. It's one of two movies that I would say, by no means am I saying, like, oh, this would necessarily beat Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, these are, like, better or something. Um, that's personal and that's for you to decide but that one as well as another pick that's coming up are two movies where I'm like uh, I think that they they just have that thing where like the whole time I'm watching it I'm just like like I want to talk about it with you because there's like three different like little spoilers where I'm like 
yo, I feel like I could easily see this coming, and I kind of can see it coming, and I probably did see it coming, but, like, I have never... It's it's almost like North by Northwest, where, like, uh, we were watching it the other day, and, like, the whole concept throughout that whole thing while Hitchcock was doing it was, like, uh, the idea of, like, mistaken identity, right? Mm-hmm. And they kept, like, writing themselves intentionally into corners of, like, how the fuck are we going to get this character out of this situation? So, like, it starts out... And, like, uh, Cary Grant or whatever gets picked up by a couple of, like, uh, like I guess just goons or whatever and taken to a mansion. And this guy's having this conversation with him that, like, Cary Grant's like, ha, 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 this is really funny. Did some of my friends put me up against it? But he's having this conversation about how, like, you're a secret spy. What do you know? That kind of a thing. Like, But it's all really coy, and the guy's playing it off very well. Like, he genuinely doesn't believe Cary Grant. And he's not giving anything away. Like, I said the word spy, but, like, you don't even necessarily get the impression from the conversation that he thinks he's a spy. You're really like, who does this guy fucking think Cary Grant is? And then after that, they drug him and try to get him into a car accident. And then he goes to the police about it. But then when, like, the police take him there the next day to, like, ask them what happened, the guy's, like, wife plays it off really well. Like, he's like, oh, our party last night. Oh, my God, you left so drunk. Did you get home safe and stuff? And so he's going to be catching this drunk driving charge because, like, and the whole time he's like, this is ridiculous. I'm going insane. And he's even got his mom there, which just adds another layer where his mom's just like, oh, yes, this is really embarrassing. Honestly, you lying in front of me and in front of these police officers is more embarrassing than the DUI. Just be a man and take the DUI and stop lying. This is really genuinely a low point in your life, you know, that kind of a thing. And then, like, on top of it, like, it just barrels forward to the point where, like, he has the name that the guy gave him. Uh, that like he, that he told him his name was, and he like does some research on his own, finds out that that's like a like a ambassador at the UN. So he goes to the UN, but it turns out that's not even the guy. The guy was giving him a fake name, and he's not even that guy. And then while he's talking to that ambassador, an assassin kills him from across the room by like throwing a knife into the back of his hand. And like when he falls, he like grabs the knife and pulls it out. And then like a reporter takes a picture of him holding the knife, and now he's wanted for murdering the ambassador and stuff. Like I said, it's just one of those movies where like the whole time you're like, what the fuck is gonna happen next? You know? Yeah. And Good Time is like that. Um, and so is I'll just jump uh, through my list a, a little bit, and I'll, I'll mention it in a second. But twelve Pulp Fiction. Uh, Thirteen Goodwill Hunting. Uh, the one thing I want to mention about that is that. Uh, Something uh, it, it, my one of my favorite YouTube channels actually just gave it a pretty decent shout out. Uh, it was talking about uh, it's a it's a it's a, a video called uh, "Boys Don't Cry Except When They Do," and it's kind of an exploration of like, excuse me, you know, media portrayals of like men showing vulnerability in that way and like crying and stuff. And one of the things that uh, he talks about in that is like uh, how crazy it is that Goodwill Hunting uh, was as big as it was and also breaks the traditional like male coding. Right. Uh, this is a movie about a guy who escapes toxic masculinity. Um, you know, who hangs out with all of these like men and ends up having multiple conversations with them where they drop the facade of being like manly blue collar workers and yeah. you know his friends care for him and want better for him and stuff and he goes to therapy and stuff like that and it's actually like a genuinely you know male vulnerable movie you know and I think that's very important and it's probably one of the only movies on here besides like Moonlight that isn't Goodfellas yeah <laughs> anyways uh, fourteen Forrest Gump uh, fifteen The Wizard of Oz. Uh, 16, this is the movie I was talking about, High Noon. It's from, like, 1954. It's got Gary Cooper in it. But somehow it breaks the tradition of Westerns having to be these fucking slow, you know, uh, meandering kind of, like, 
you know, like, oh, over the desert as, like, a tumbleweed moves, and we're going to cross the... It's going to take us about three days to get to the next town. Like, you know that thing where it's just, like, paced very, like, you know, yeah. like, even during a gun, like, a shootout, like, you get a little... It pans over the people in the crowd, and then you see a shot of his hand, like, by the gun. Like, it's not like that at all. It's 100% a movie where, for some reason, they just decided, what if one minute in the movie is one minute in the story? And Gary Cooper literally has an hour and a half... Um, in the film, basically, like, uh, for one reason or other, un- unexpectedly, I guess, uh, one of his, like, big, bad, big bads that he put away, because he's the sheriff, uh, like, his Joker, almost, for some reason, just got released from prison, and he's on his way at, like, 11.10 a.m. The train's coming in, and he's coming to, like, get his revenge kind of a thing. He's going to shoot up the whole town or whatever, kill everybody kind of a thing. And Gary Cooper, in the beginning of the movie, is, like, leaving, and he's just married, and he's, like, supposed to retire from being a sheriff because that's what his wife wants him to do. But he hears that news, and he spends the rest of the movie trying to get together some people <laughs> to, like, sh- be in the shootout with them. And I'm going to spoil a bit of it. Everybody turns him down. And it just keeps getting more and more tense as, again, I'm going to spoil a little bit, it comes to showdown time, and it's just him. Nobody wants to stand by his side kind of a thing. And it's so tense, and it's very fast-paced. Like, it's almost paced like a modern film. Like, it almost feels like an homage to what Westerns were, were, but, like, made like a modern movie. It's insane for 1954 or whatever it was. Out of control. Um, L.A. Confidential, that's 17. Uh, 18, The Shining. Uh, 19, Airplane. Mm -mm. Love it. Yeah. Love. I, have I told you my airplane story? Uh, I watched it with your dad, right? Yeah. In the morning? I think I've to- morning? I to- do you think I've told it on the pod before? Probably not. When I was... Ooh, third grade. How old is that? Yes, the wrong guy. Eight? Eight or nine, yeah. I'm, okay. Let's just say eight. I'm eight going on nine. Um, day before my birthday party... Parents rented out the local school pool. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And the night before, family went out to eat. Me and my sister got crazy food poisoning. Like, still to this day, the most inf- insane food poisoning I've seen on a person. Um, just a little eight-year-old me. Uh, I threw up for like a day and a half straight. Just everything. I just couldn't sleep because every hour I was getting up, throwing up whatever I had in me, even when it was nothing. So eventually my parents had to go to that school, to that pool, and host a birthday party for a bunch of other people's kids, and I had to stay home. It was very sad. But that night, while I was up throwing up, I watched a bunch of movies with my dad, and I think the first one we watched was Airplane, and I had a wonderful time. So that's just the memory of Airplane that I have. All right, so yeah, we're about 19 in. How are you feeling so far? Lethargic. Anything... <laughs> Anything egregious? Egregious? Um, no. No. I mean, the egregious. Uh, no. Okay. Kind of got a little bit of a smirk. Because you said you're not ranking them. Yeah. And then a couple of them that you put on there. Well, only one that comes to mind is one that I know you watched. For school, and I was like, hmm, really? Best of all time, Chris? Top 100 <laughs> India song? Really? Yeah, mainly because, um, well, High Noon's also a movie I saw for school. So is Daisy's. So is Taste of Cherry. Different classes, but. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, with India Song, that one specifically is like you were you remember probably very vividly the first time that I saw it, I was so so upset. Yeah. But it's one of those things like um the only one we've gotten to at this point is I think the Blair Witch Project. But there's a couple more that like I said I want to shout out. But this also falls into that Blair Witch Project category where like the movie holds such a special place in my heart because over the next couple of days as I thought about it, I was like, Oh, that's because I went into this movie with a set of like deeply, deeply rooted expectations for what film is. Mm-hmm. And this movie just proved me wrong. Yeah. On every front imaginable. That's respectable. And it's so special. There's nothing else like India Song. All right. And it's one of those movies like Magnolia or uh, I don't know what the other example you gave me was, Synecdoche, New York. You just quoted Red Letter Media as being like movies that like, quote, you can't just watch Magnolia. you got to kind of bleed out there. Yeah. Some of those things were like India Song, it's a labor. You know what I mean? Like if it, it, it'd be like... Uh, your experience with Blair Witch Project. I know you said you feel like you haven't seen it. Maybe you have seen it one time before, but it took like that second viewing yeah. kind of thing. Like the first time, if I showed it to you, you would just be pissed and you'd probably never watch it again and, you would, and you'd <laughs> never give it that second chance. Yeah. And it's a movie that like, it needs a second chance kind of a thing. Because like the first one is all about just like deflating whatever you thought you were going to be yeah. doing. And then the second time you're like, okay, well now I'm going to watch it for what it is and stop focusing on what it isn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I very much so... I always feel real, well, I always feel bad about myself, but I feel bad about myself when I think about art, especially film, and I guess TV in this sense. Uh-huh. I, I feel not pretentious, but just, how was the word I'm looking for? Like, kind of like a, a know-it-all that doesn't really know anything. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's Twin Peaks mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Like, I'll never, I, like, that's why Twin Peaks is one of my favorite things. Like, I'll never, get, never get over mm-hmm. being, ooh, how old were we? 21, 22? Yeah. And being like, I've tried to watch Twin Peaks like nine times, mm-hmm. and I just don't get it. And then that, like, tenth time watching it, being like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, shit. I get it. Yeah. I get, and it just opened up a weird, different world of just, mm-hmm. again, this sounds so pretentious and just like, base level arty mm-hmm. but just like oh yeah no it opened it opened my eyes to like what mm-hmm. uh, other art and shit could be where it's just like if you don't like it once watch it all the way through understand what it is mm-hmm. and then watch it again and being like okay yeah. why am I seeing this yeah what am I personally getting out of this what mm-hmm. is this making me think of yeah um yeah, I mean, we never really get to this point of the conversation because you get so upset every time we talk about it. But it's one of the yeah, it's 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 uh, one of the biggest reasons why like I'm so open to watching the third season over and over and over again. Uh, even though I really we started the other day, but we never really finished. Uh, is mainly just the because other day like was six months ago, I think. Yeah, but anyways, uh, yeah, because like I said, it doesn't do anything for me. Like uh, I'm not like mad about it. I always try to explain that like it's just not for me. Like it's not grabbing me. There's nothing that like, but like obviously like I'm obviously open to like watching it again. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I don't think it needs to be like thrown away or that it's worthless. I just uh, yeah, I still haven't had that viewing where I'm like, oh okay. It's kind of scratching this itch for me. Uh, Can't wait for that day, though. I'm going to be so happy. Because every time I put it on, I'm just like, all right, this is really, really dragging. Again, it reminds me of, like, the TV landscape post-Breaking Bad, but, like, 
maybe like a couple of notches too slow. It's all kind of dark, you know, kind of looks a lot like TV in the post-breaking head landscape. And again, it is a little bit like India Song also, right, where like you've slapped the name Twin Peaks on it, so there are a lot of things that I come to expect. Not necessarily like the aesthetic or something like that, but more so like, yeah, I guess maybe like the soap opera aspect of it. Like I, I expect it to be emotional, to be like a thing where there are, you know, relationships and dynamics and like, you know, emoting on display and like interesting things, like kind of interesting, like emotional predicaments to find yourself in. And you get that a couple of times, right? Like the Ed, you know, Ed like hanging out at his gas station. Yeah. Or uh, that moment where like you think that uh, Shelly's coming in to like have lunch with presumably still with Bobby. Uh, but really, she's just coming in there to, like, I don't know, whatever. they got to have a conversation with their daughter or something like that. And you find out that she's got, like, her new boyfriends, like, hanging outside waiting for her and stuff. And, like, it's this thing where, like, they set up that expectation and immediately shatter it, which is great. I love that. Um, but, yeah, there's so much of it, like, the beginning. Like, I don't care about that box that that guy has to, like, sit and watch. It's not that interesting to me necessarily. Um, well, they immediately I like the drop Matthew Lillard that. thing. Matthew Lillard's great. They, unfortunately, immediately drop that, too. <laughs> yeah, they drop it. <laughs> but anyways, off topic a little bit, but yeah. Um, so here we go. 20, Annie Hall. Uh, I think that along with uh, another one of the, my picks later on uh, are one of like the few like comedy movies that have actually been like critically acclaimed in the sense of like being given meaningless awards, like the Academy mm-hmm. Awards and whatnot. Uh, 21, Chinatown. A uh, little bit like... Um, that North by Northwest thing. Um, I have to watch it again. Yeah. Because there's this whole thing with, like, the water company in California and, like, something to do with the water that I actually don't understand. But it's a great noir film. Jack Nicholson. Uh, One of the things I love is it's just got such a fucking great beginning. He is a private eye. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman comes to Jack Nicholson and is basically like, hey, I'm the mayor's wife. And she's like, hey, he's doing this shady shit. Keep an eye on it kind of a thing. Whatever, right? He goes off. He does it. I think he gets his, like, nose broke. And when he shows back up, uh, it, like, makes the news or whatever. And when he shows up to his job, his boss or whatever is kind of like, hey, what the fuck? And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, what the fuck? And Jack Nicholson is like, the mayor's wife told me that this stuff was going on and, like, I went to go check it out. And she's, he's like, uh, no, she's not. She's in this room. And it's a totally other woman, a different woman. You're getting me right now. Yeah. I, I want to watch this movie. Let's watch Chinatown tonight. Maybe. Okay, anyways. All right, so let's start blazing. Apparently I've spent 45 minutes talking about 21 movies. Ah, 41. <laughs> anyways, uh, Citizen Kane, again. I think that as well as The Godfather, it would be very much up your alley. Uh, the Producers, Mel Brooks's first Ooh, movie and only non-parody movie that he's ever made. Um, Leon the Professional, 24. Ooh, good one. Uh, Punch Drunk Love, 25. Uh, 26, Synecdoche, New York. Uh, 27, Groundhog Day. Uh, just a fantastic concept. And honestly, like I went into it not expecting like the emotional wallop that it packs, too. Um, it's one of those movies that, again, like, I feel like is a little egregious to put on here just because I don't, like I said, one of the things I don't like is, like I said, how many movies are about, like, oh, uh, I'm angry, so pow, pow. But also, like, yeah. another thing I don't like is when the movie boils down to, like, all of that just to get 
solve my problems. And Groundhog Day is really just kind of about him getting that girl to like him, and then that teaches him. Like, he learns a lesson, but the lesson is too adjacent to the woman that, like, it ends up also sending the message that, like, a man can be fixed by just finding the right woman. And so that. Yeah. A little bit of a bummer. Anyways, 28, The Iron Giant. Ooh. Uh, 29, The Original Frankenstein. Uh, 30, Young Frankenstein. I'm sorry, you said you got these some of these from other lists. Yes. Was the Iron Giant on a top 100 list? That might be the only movie on here. I swear to God, Bible <laughs> Bible Truth, the only movie that I didn't see anywhere, I don't think. Okay, cool. Uh, Makes me happy for some reason. But I, I could, I could, I could uh, if I see anything else, I swear to God, I'll point it out. Uh, Frank, Young Frankenstein, 30, 31, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, 32, Carnival of Souls, 33, Doctor Strange Love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. That one is I love, fantastic. I love a good long title. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. Like, you should just check it out. It's the, 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 it's the kid. Yeah. Kubrick. The yeah. Kubrick kid. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. He's got a fucking knack for comedy. Uh, that was hey. one that I brought up to my grandfather, and he was like, yeah, that's a weird one, but it's funny <laughs> as hell. Have you seen Kubrick as a kid, actually? Mm-mm. Looks 40 years old. I don't think Kubrick's ever that's been a kid. Yeah. It's even funnier to call him the kid, then. 34, Rocky. Uh, 35, Ooh. Parasite. Ooh. Uh, 36, Get Out. Uh, 37, Ooh. Wally. Ooh. 38, uh, Amelie. Uh, 39, Eternal Sunshine. Nice. Uh, 40, Back to the Future. Nice. Uh, 41, Blade Back Runner. Back to the Future 2, sorry. Yeah, Blade Runner. It does have that rape scene, but it reminds me a little bit of, again, with all of the things that end up on the list. Uh, I saw a tweet from Jerry Saltz. Uh, don't know him that well. I know he's an art critic and that he's got, for some reason, a bit of a brand about him. People like him on the internet. Yeah. Anyways, and he tweeted out that a good message does not mean that you've made good art. Yeah. And I think, conversely, a bad message does not mean that it's not good art. Yeah, you know? I think, and I'm not saying Blade Runner has a bad message overall. That's not what I mean. I like I like Blade Runner. Yeah, it, it, something's always kind of irked me about it, mm-hmm. or something. I like I said, I really like it, and uh, like we were talking about earlier, and you mentioned briefly, I've been watching a lot of Red Letter Media, and they kind of put it in a really simple but really good way. Yeah, that I hadn't really thought about What's it. What's that? Blade Runner, fucking boring. It is still a yeah, really, really good yeah. movie. That's very fair. But you're never surprised. No. You're never like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, you know what's going to happen immediately, and yeah. it just kind of happens. No one's that interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's like a movie like, I don't know, like a, a Drive or Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. for instance. Yeah. It just has a fucking smell to it, you know? Yeah, it also it's reminds like, me a little bit of, like, I've read a Philip K. Dick novel, A Skin of Darkly. Yeah. And I love it. But also, overall, it is kind of boring. It kind of has this, like, Sunday morning feel. Like, nothing's that crazy, necessarily, but there's just, like, little things that are, like, said or little things that happen that, for some reason, I can't escape. And I'd even consider it one of my favorite books, even though, by and large, it's kind of boring. Same thing with Blade Runner. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel like it still has, like, a little bit of the Philip K. Dick stank on it. Anyways, uh, 42, Nightcrawler. Nice. 43, Drive. And that's one of the interesting things <laughs> about I the just, list. Did I just do that? Yeah. Well, oh, what I'm saying nice. is one of the interesting things about the lips, list is that there are multiple times where, like, you can actually chunk it. You can see where my brain connected the dots. That's very cool. You know what I mean? And the next three, also in my opinion, same thing. 44, Breathless. It's a French New Wave film. Guy kills a cop in the beginning of the movie, spends the rest of the movie, like, spends, like, two days 
knowing that the cops are after him and that he's got to get the fuck out of France. But the two things that he's worried about is, one, getting some money he's owed from his friend, but his friend keeps, like, kind of blowing him off. And two, trying to convince this American woman to run away with him. And I think the movie just ends with him getting caught by the cops and killed or whatever. But it's just such a cool, like... It's got that 90s, like, uh, I was saying about regular show kind of thing where, like, it's just people hanging out and having, like, super normal but for some reason enthralling conversations. And, like, there's interesting, like, camera movements. And just the way that they talk and the way the camera moves makes it feel like it has the same kind of, like, urgency and energy to it that, like, you know, High Noon has or, like, Good Time has. But then at the same time, it's also got this chilled, laid-back atmosphere of, like, slacker or clerks. Anyways, uh, and then In Bruges, again, European about crime kind of just people hanging out having conversations right uh and then 46 train spotting uh, and i feel like those three are all kind of chunked together yeah. the same way that like blade runner nightcrawler drive are uh 47 the sixth sense okay yeah still not star wars but the sixth sense okay <laughs> uh 48 the royal tenant bombs still think it's the best movie ever made i know people really, really? like the grand budapest hotel and people really like moonrise kingdom but I think it's one of those things kind of like... Uh, in, I'm sorry, best movie he ever made or just in general? He ever made. Okay, you yeah, said best ever movie made. ever made, and I was like, really, oh, I meant Chris? That he made. It's kind of one of those things like Pulp Fiction where, like, yes, Tarantino has made fantastic movies. I love Inglourious Bastards. I love Once a Time in, Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but I feel like that one's just so pure, exactly what he has to offer. Yeah, And absolutely. I feel like Royal Tenenbaums is the same thing. And I feel like... Almost immediately after making that movie, although there, he still snuck a couple of really good ones that I really like in it, it just became a little too much him doing his kind of movie. Okay, right? yeah, I get that. Like, up until that point, I've seen, like, Battle Rocket, I've seen Rushmore, um, and there's that thing where he's still trying to find what his movie is, and then from that point on, he's kind of making his movie, which is fine. Um, but I feel like almost the same thing happens with Tarantino, where, like, Reservoir Dogs is not quite Pulp Fiction, but then everything after is kind of Tarantino leaning into his strengths, which is fine, and he made some really great movies doing it. But do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, barreling forward. Blue Velvet, 49. 50, My Dinner with Andre. Oh. Another movie we've seen. I, uh... It, I feel like it's a uh, Blair Witch situation. Yeah. I feel like I've seen yeah. Dinner with Andre. But probably not. Like I Blade probably Runner, need to it's boring, it. but somehow they made an hour and a half movie where two guys have a conversation in a restaurant. Yeah, love it. Nothing else happens. And to me, it's so indicative of, like, I guess, like, things to come. It's kind of ahead of its time, right? Because, I don't know, it makes sense that it's a it could work, right? Because radio, podcasting, and stuff like that. But I've never seen another movie do it. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It's really cool. Have you ever seen Locke with Tom Hardy? Uh uh-uh. I haven't either, but I've been meaning to for like probably six years at this point. Mm-hmm. It is him, it's an hour and a half. Yeah. It's Tom Hardy in a car driving down a highway, making phone calls to like four different people. That's awesome. And you never see anything besides him on the phone and I think well, you Well phone uh, booth. That's another movie I want to see. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, he spends the whole movie in the phone booth. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see both of these, all three of these movies. Um, and there were a lot of movies that, like, as I was, uh, I talked to my granddad about it because he was interested. Uh, we were kind of talking about it, and he was bringing up some other stuff and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. Great conversation. I want to watch Last House on the Left really bad. Yeah? Yes. Because I don't know, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's probably, like, it's, it's one of those, it's a Wes Craven. 1972, so it's way before Nightmare on Elm Street. Way we could watch Scream. the new one with Aaron Paul. 
I don't know about that. Before but, Breaking Bad. I don't know about that. But <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I feel like that's got to have some of that, like, James Gunny, Sam Raimi early movie energy that we were talking about. Yeah. Right? Or it's one of those things where, like, I've seen Scream, I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but I haven't seen that one. And that one's probably, like, the most pure, like, horror slasher kind of thing he made. So, like, I have this context of, like, Nightmare on Elm Street where he's kind of getting tired of horror tropes and, like, slasher movie tropes, right? And he's starting to try to, like, flip it on his head and parody it. And then it gets to the point of, like, Scream where he legitimately does parody and, like, meta commentary on it. So I feel like to complete, like, in my mind, the trilogy of him, like, progressing through that, I'd have to see things like Last House on the Left or, like, The Hills Have Eyes, right? Because those are, like, just straight-up horrors that he made. But even by the time you're at Nightmare on Elm Street, he's kind of almost done with the genre in a sense, right? He's trying to, like, kind of breathe new life into whatever. Anyways, uh, 51, Halloween. Nice. 52, Eraserhead. Um, If you're keeping track, I think at this point, David Lynch may be the only person... Oh, David Lynch and Steve... uh, Stanley Kubrick are the two people... Oh, and Mel Brooks. Those are the three people who have have had two on the list so far. Respectable. Um, So anyways, let's see. What's next? Uh, 53, The Wicker Man. Really think you should check it out. I plan on it, yeah. Yeah, that one... Um, yeah, the bees. I give that one a point for. I'll the mention bees. another film that I think does this. It's a good movie, a little boring in the beginning, but there's just a point like halfway through the movie, kind of like that whole like, what do you mean the Marrow's wife is in here thing that happens where like, is it, it just the, flips your whole shit. You know, the, is it the bees? No, no, the bees don't happen in the original. I know, but there's just this thing where like in the beginning I feel a certain way about the character. I fucking hate it. I'm like, God, this movie kind of sucks. Like, is this going to be the whole thing? Because if so, like, I don't really agree with this. Like, they've made me not like this character. And then a thing happens, and you're like, oh, no. Oh, I feel totally different now. Um, 54, Exorcist. 55, Suspiria. Uh, 56, Rosemary's Baby. Suspiria, you should should definitely see. Uh, It reminds me of, like, a modern movie that I'd like to see, Neon Demon. It's one of those movies where it's, like, very much so, like, I'm not saying the substance is bad, but it's definitely 100% it has a legacy for its style. Like, the way that it looks is what has carried it mainly. Is Neon Demons the Nicholas uh, Winding Refn movie? Yeah, Yeah, I I haven't seen Only God Forgives. Yeah, I I saw Only God Forgives. Didn't love it. Yeah. Actually, I hated it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been nervous about seeing Neon Demon. Um, Again, I, I was thinking about it while you were talking on your list. I think, even though I hate it, Only God Forgives might show up on my list because it's the best-looking movie I've ever seen. Yeah, well, that's something I was going to say. Like, I was just hanging out on the r slash movies subreddit even yeah. to try to, like, just, like, I was doing so much research for this list. Seriously. Um, and, again, like, that makes it sound like this is, like, objective or it has authority. At the end of the day, these are my picks. Like, I had to scramble because I was like, fuck, have I seen any more movies? You know, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, the, one of the discussions I saw on the r slash movies subreddit recently was, like, uh, what are some underrated films that you think that, like, uh, have come out recently in the last 10 years kind of a thing? 
that as time progresses, like, you know, the cultural attitude towards them might shift. And that I saw a couple of people making the case that, like, Drive set up a certain expectation for Nicholas Winding Refn that made everybody hate his next couple of movies. But as soon as, like, that expectation is shattered and there's more time between them, uh, I think people will appreciate them because I think they were expecting more substance after something like Drive. But they're really all style, and you kind of got to appreciate them for just yeah. being, like, all yeah. style or whatever. But because there was that expectation set with Drive, people ended up hating them, but... I saw a lot of people making the case that, like I said, those, those will be looked at differently given in a couple more years. Yeah, I'd like to see it again because, yeah, I haven't seen it since I was probably 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I remember, I remember watching it and being like, okay, I get what's happening here. I get what this movie's doing, but it's not doing it well. It yeah. very much so felt like, oof, I'm pretty deep, man. But at the same time, we had that whole uh, little conversation about Twin Peaks and me being able to appreciate things a little differently after I've seen them once. So yeah, maybe maybe we should we should do that. We should okay. watch that movie together yeah. soon. Anyways, Fifty Seven, Night of the Living Dead. Um, yeah. Just a quick side note: got to give a lot of love to horror movies made with no budget that just really show off what a director can do. Yeah. But to be fair. George Romero, from my understanding, only went on to make like maybe three more good movies. Yeah. And they spent a lot of the time in the 2000s and 2010s making just very, 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 very bad sequels to the Of the Dead series. And being in Call of Duty. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Do you, I'm sorry. I That just crash landed into my brain. I completely forgot about that. Do you remember that? There's a, a Call of Duty Zombies DLC uh-huh. where you play as a bunch of actors, like I think like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Danny Trejo and two other people. Mm-hmm. It's and not the, to the, the the plot of the DLC for the zombies thing is you're filming a zombie movie with director George Romero, and then actual zombies show up, and the big bad boss zombie at the end is fucking George Romero. That's interesting. Yeah. Also very... Also, I think Avenged Sevenfold is in that game as Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing that, like, is kind of a staple of movies that movies... Or not movies, staple of horror movies specifically. They've always done that thing where, like, they're filming a movie. Yeah, yeah. And then the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Frankenstein movie like that. I... Oh God, I want to say... I can't remember the name of it, but they do have Boris Karloff playing, not the monster, but, like, Dr. Frankenstein. And it's a similar thing where, like, they're making a Frankenstein movie and they have... They're, like, near him. Maybe he's consulting or something like that, and he's actually making a monster while they're making the movie. There's another one. I think it's called Target. I could be wrong, um, but it's considered to be Boris Karloff's swan song because it's about him and him being a horror movie star and him being old and stuff like that. And it ends with, like, this very, like, it's considered to be one of the best movies ever made. I've seen it on some of the lists. Where at the end, there's a situation where, like, there's, like, a crazed fan who ends up, like, setting up like a sniper rifle and he's killing people at the drive-in that's like screening Boris Karloff's last movie and there's this like confrontation between Boris Karloff and him where like kind of gives him the business in a sense I don't know it's a crazy movie that I definitely want to see and then also even uh, before Scream between Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream there was like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street like part 6 Freddy's Dead or something like that where it starts off with Wes Craven making a Nightmare on Elm Street movie with Robert England or whatever playing Freddy yeah and during the process of making the movie the classic like Freddy thing happens where like they're talking about him and making him known enough that he actually gets power or whatever and like is able to 
and it's supposed to be like a proto scream where like he's basically yeah. like parodying the genre, but it's not fully actualized, right? Like that concept of being meta, that concept of parody hasn't entirely hmm. solidified. Anyways, uh, so yeah, number 58 is a, another movie from 50s, 60s, black and white, kind of like Carnival of Souls, um, that has like just this Lynchian quality. Like I feel I would love to watch it with you as soon as possible. Okay. It's called Daughter of Horror, sometimes called Dementia, and I can't remember which one, but one of them is a recut where they put it out like kind of specifically as a B-horror movie where they add in like this like cheesy narration where like over the top of this otherwise silent film, this guy's just going like, it's here, death, it's at your door, your oldest friend. Like just saying weird, innocuous, like (laughs) incoherent kind of like creepy Halloween shit, you know? Um, but there's also a silent version that very much so plays almost like a fucking Lynch movie or something like that. And it's great. It's also very dreamy and surreal, like, very hard to describe. Fantastic movie. What are you looking up? George Romero and Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, 59, Evil Dead. Very cool. Uh, 60, Adaptation. Very cool. Uh, 61, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Very cool. 62, might upset you a little bit. Uh, Juno. Oh, nice. I definitely think Juno is a great movie. I've never seen that before. Just a, besides their dialogue, which I know gets a lot of flack, it's a really like endearing and kind of heart-wrenching, heartwarming story about a young girl kind of getting pregnant and making the decision to give it up or keep it or whatever and you know, dealing with it with her parents, dealing it with, with it with her significant other, you know. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff there, and uh, I feel like there's a degree to which it gets forgotten because of, like, the meme yeah. of Julie, you know? Um, at work today, actually, someone was talking about Inception. Yeah. And then uh, someone made a bad joke about, like, oh, yeah, that one dude in that movie is very hot. And we're like, what? I was like, Tom Hardy? And he's like, no, Elliot Page. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's funny. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's hottest. In uh, in Juno, for my money, I'm like he's hottest when he's a pregnant teenager, and he's like, yeah, yeah I don't know why I said that. I'm like, you should be ashamed of yourself, man. Yeah. You just got canceled. Go yeah. Home. <laughs> um. All right. So sixty. Also, uh, the list of celebrities in that uh, Call of Duty thing. I was right. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Danny Trejo, Michael Rooker, mm-hmm. and Robert England. Mm. Sixty three slacker. Okay. Very cool. Uh, again, like I said, another example of, like, movies can also be this. This next one's kind of, like, a lesser... Ver- it's almost like... I don't know. This is a very, very loose description. But it's one of those things, like, how you're describing, like, the Blair Witch Project not necessarily starting the found footage, but kind of being the one that kind of capitalized on yeah. it and made the biggest cultural impact. So 64 is Clerks. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. Like, I see how they're paired together, but Slacker is definitely, like, the more pure version of... Excuse me. Like, just weird, nothing to do with each other. Every 10 minutes, the camera just, like, follows another person that passed on the street of Austin. And for the next 10 minutes, you're just going to hear them talk about whatever they got going on in their life. And it's very weird. Uh, 65, Dog Day Afternoon, Al Pacino. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it or I've heard about it too much. Uh, I've heard about it, but no, uh, I've never seen it. Long story short, it's based on a true story. He robs the bank uh, for his partner. His partner is, I believe, like, trans and, and, and needs the money for, like, a, a, a transition um, procedure. And, yeah, it's this weird story of, like, how he ended up becoming, like, a Robin Hood figure, kind of, by, like, speaking with the press outside of the bank as he's, like, holding these hostages and, like, 
bringing up recent like U.S. government like uh, atrocities and stuff like that to like turn the general American public against the cops and like on his side. Uh-huh. So that's very interesting. Sixty-six Goodfellas. Okay. Goodfellas. Uh, would love to have put things like Raging Bull or Taxi Driver or maybe some of his other maybe more pure movies on there or whatever, but I've not seen them, so eat my butt. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's it's such a fucking good movie. Like, yeah, I got it. it. It reminds me a lot of Pulp Fiction, but like if Pulp Fiction had a baby with like The Godfather, I guess, because it's also like a little less. I hate to use this term again, but like. At this point, I feel like there's a degree to which, like, Pulp Fiction has some, like, cringe to it or something. Yeah. But, like, uh, I don't think Goodfellas has the same problem. I think it might. Um, excuse me. Oh. At least for me. At least for me and my perception of it. Sorry, I just did the world's longest yawn. Um, <laughs> Goodfellas, I need to see again. Yeah. Well, the circumstance. Yes. I don't know why. David I've... Lynch would probably punch you in the mouth. Yeah. I watched Goodfellas. The only time I've ever seen Goodfellas mm-hmm. was at a party. Somebody was playing it off of YouTube on a TV. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching it 4x3, YouTube quality, a party behind me. And it is in, uh, they're playing it on YouTube in a playlist in, I think, 11 minute chunks. Increments, yeah. And every increment, the first two minutes of it are the last two minutes of the last one. And that's how I watched yeah. all of Goodfellas, and I was enthralled the entire time. Yeah. It was great. Uh, 67 Swiss Army Man. R- really? Did you see it? Yeah. I really like Swiss I Army really Man. I really like that movie. Yeah, Swiss Army Man's great. My favorite thing about Swiss Army Man? Yeah. Spoilers. is It's an A24 film, right? I think so. Uh, it ends, and yeah, they get to the girl's house, and everyone's like, bro, you've just been carrying around a dead body. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's alive, and this and that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. No, it's an A24 movie. They got me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, of course this is how this yeah. movie is going to end. They're going to be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, right, this guy is uh, is insane. Yeah. And then he fucking farts off into the sunset at the end. I'm like, oh, nailed it. Great. Beautiful ending. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's, it's in my opinion, a movie that makes me feel the same way that, like, even something like Back to the Future does. Just because it's so imaginative. Like, there's so many little things where, like, it just takes a leap. And doesn't care whether or not the audience is going to go, oh, really? Yeah. He's got fart powers or whatever. Oh, but it, he's got a boner compass. Yeah. And then it also makes me feel like Groundhog Day or something like that. Like, that's such an imaginative and inventive way to tell the story of, like, someone who's cynical and hardened to the world falling in love with life again. Yeah. You know? It's such a, such a beautiful movie. That's a very beautiful movie to me. 68 is uh, The Souvenir. Came out recently. I don't think it was A24. might have been that at least A24 adjacent. Same vein. But it reminds me of, like... My Dinner with Andre, it's very boring, and it kind of reminds me of, like, Taste of Cherry, where it's, like, one-to-one realism. And long story short, it's just about this, like, young, naive girl who's, like, in art school and is in love with this, like, smooth-talking, suave guy who says he's, like, an ambassador at, like, the UN or whatever it is, right? Or, like, some embassy nearby. And he seems so sophisticated and, like, nice. And, like, you, like, fall into her naivete. Like, it isn't until, like, some of the characters say things like, hey, uh should we be, like, worried about him? And she's like, what? And he's like, they're like, yo, he's, like, a heroin addict. And, like, you're like, oh, shit, like, that makes so much sense. (laughs) But, like I said, it's, like, this boring, like, like, it's a movie where I was checking my watch the whole time. Yeah. It really is a tough watch, but it's one of those things where, like, 
I've it, seldom because there are a couple of movies on this list, like I said, like Taste of Cherry or like uh, My Dear with Andre. Seldom have I ever been filled so much with that feeling of like, did someone just turn on a camera and capture someone's life? Like, because it really feels so just real. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not a movie like Back to the Future or something. It's a, it's someone's fucking life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that one gets a huge shout out. Sixty nine Francis Ha. Okay. Uh, Seventy the Babadook. The Babadook. Yeah. yeah the Babadook. Babadook. No Star Wars. All right. <laughs> uh, so what? Uh, I mean, yeah, the Babadook. Uh, uh it's, you know, maybe one of the weaker entries. Um, but yeah, it's just a neat little thing where uh, I mean it does a similar thing to like the Wicker Man and all that where like I just hate the kid and I hate him and I hate him and I'm expecting it this whole time that like okay the Babadook exists and the Babadook's gonna haunt the house and yada 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 and then at a certain point they're like oh no this is actually a metaphor for like the resentment the mom has for this kid because she feels like it's his fault that like her the love of her life is dead yeah and you're like oh fuck I That's so Dark and heavy and fucked up, and you stuck it. You stuck the landing. Doesn't the Babadook end with? I feel like this probably works really well with that metaphor. Doesn't the end of that movie? They're just like, well, Babadook lives in the basement now. Isn't that how that movie ends? I don't remember offhand, but that could be. Okay, that could be. Uh, Seventy-one. It's such a beautiful day. Okay. Again, it's got some big cringe factor to it because I don't like Don Hertzfeld's sense of humor most of the time. I don't know if you've ever seen his like little animated shorts. Oh, I have. Smashes people and like the joke is like it's kind of James Gunny where it's like the joke is how violent it is or the joke is how gruesome and gory it is. The Learning Channel. Yeah. I think to this day. Yeah. I haven't seen it in probably a few years. Yeah. Still probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. So I disagree with you. I think his humor. That's fine. Like I said, his humor is just not for me. I still like that movie a lot. I still respect Don Hertzfeld. I love that like that he's just this guy who like literally does everything for these movies in his apartment and then every couple of years from my understanding or my perception at least just goes hey I made another one yeah yeah. <laughs> I did not see that's another movie that I did not see I don't no yeah I did I think uh, like maybe a top 100 indie top 100 of the 2000s or whatever 2010s uh, but more frequently I actually saw his movie uh, The World of Tomorrow that one showed up more frequently which is another interesting one where the uh only character like uh, no, no, that's not a, that's a weird way to say that. One of the characters is like his four year old niece, and he just spent like just days and days and days recording her audio of them like playing games together and like whatever all that kind of stuff, you know. And then made a movie around sound clips of that. Love that shit. I love when the voice of a child or yeah. something is just someone following a child around yeah. on the microphone. I think that's what all of um, ooh, what's her name, the little girl in Monsters Inc. Yeah, boo. Yeah, they just followed yeah, the. That's that, a fantastic movie. Yeah, they just followed uh, that girl around yeah. with a microphone. Um, have you ever seen Bravest Warriors? I've not. Uh, yeah, but I'm familiar. That's Adventure Time creator. Yeah, Cody Pendleton. Yeah, yeah Pendleton online. Ward. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a character named Cody Cat, Pendleton. Is actually a kid I knew in like the fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. It's Pendleton Ward. Yeah. Um, there's a character named Catbug. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the standout thing from the show. I remember nothing about Bravest Warriors except for Catbug. Uh-huh. And Catbug is like a three-year-old boy who they get in there. Like, hey, can you just say this stuff? And he's like, yeah. And like, a lot of it's garbled and you can't really tell what they're saying, but it's still very funny. Also, have you ever seen Axe Cop? I have not. 
XCOM but, familiar. It's a uh, like written by like an eleven year old or something, right? Yeah, it was. Ri- I mean, I think by the time the show came out, he's probably like eleven. But yeah, like the early like web comics were written by this guy's like five year old brother. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Have you seen it? The It's such a beautiful day. Oh yeah. 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 yeah uh, it's just one of those things where like that kind of like weird alt comedy thing is then paired with this like crazy emotional story about a guy who like mental illness and like whatever kind of degenerative disease he has is like a part of his lineage and his family and he's like slowly descending into it and not understanding it then but also like kind of like almost kind of coming to peace with the fact that life is going and like like loving life and in a sense like breaking his like humdrum like just day-to-day routine that he fell into i don't know it's just it's really, really a curious thing, right? And then again, I think it almost falls into that category of being something like the Blair Witch or like My Dinner with Andre, where again, it's like, yeah, that counts too. I've never seen a really movie like that. I have seen things like it, but not really kind of. I, uh, I don't know what this says about me, but that reminds me of a movie I just watched. No spoilers, but there's a character in it who's an old man who has early onset Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And he's talking, and he's like, yeah, um, this is, someone's like, Jake's childhood bedroom. He's like, yes, sorry, I have, uh, oh, I have, and they're like, Alzheimer's. She's like, yes, and I'm forgetting things, and I just can't wait till I'm old enough that I can't remember that I can't remember. And I'm, that, and what you were saying about it, it's a beautiful life, I'm like, oh, can't wait. Can't wait till I'm just my brain is dying, and I don't <laughs> care that my brain is dying. Uh, Seventy-two. I have to give it to the Truman Show. I think that's a fantastic concept. The idea that his whole life's a TV show, or whatever, and he has no idea, and then he finds out later, or whatnot. It's a great Truman Show's a movie I would really like to rewatch. Yeah, because I've seen Truman Show probably nine times, mm-hmm. but I saw it when I was like fourteen. Mm-hmm. And I'd go over to this girl's house, and we would watch the Truman Show, <laughs> and I'd catch the last fifteen minutes of it. Usually, yeah. That and Up, I think those were the only two movies um, my friend owned. But yeah, I remember seeing Up with my family. They're like, "Nick, you ever seen Up?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's whatever." Seen a boner the whole time. Your brain had wired it. And I'm just <laughs> rock so hard watching Up with my dad. <laughs> no, but no, uh, Up starts, and it's that montage at the beginning. Yeah. That's the saddest thing in the world, Evers, and I'm just. Yeah. Bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Like Nick, I thought you've seen this before. I'm like, yeah, it's just getting me real good. <laughs> Seventy three Alien. Okay. Seventy four Two Thousand One Space Odyssey. Seventy five North by Northwest. Here's nice. Alfred Hitchcock's number two. Uh, I just explained it earlier. I tried my best not to talk about movies that appeared later in the list, but that but was just Kubrick's third. Oh, it's his third. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, his third. Uh, yeah, North by Northwest. Uh, like I said, it's not devoid of gross stuff. Cary Grant is legit like 50, 60 or something like that. And the whole time he's like obsessed with this 26-year-old girl that he met on a train. And like like the crux of the last half of the movie is that he wants to save her even though he's a stranger that yeah. they kissed once on like a train. And he apparently is in quote-unquote love with her. And that's weird. But all that other stuff is super, 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 super enthralling. And, uh, you know, great, great. Uh, 76, Silence of the Lambs. Very nice. should check that out. There's only one thing, there's one moment where I feel like they jump the shark, kind of, which is that, like, 
I'm gonna spoil it a little bit, but it's not a big deal. Um, it's more like it's a scene that just like sets up imagery, kind of. So it doesn't really have anything to do with the plot, but they're like transporting Hannibal Lecter, and he like gets his hand on some kind of like weapon-ish, and he's like alone with like I don't know two or three guards or something like that, and he's basically able to like kill them, eat their faces, and then like string one of them up on like a cage that he was gonna be put in, and like cut muscles and skin out so that it kind of looks like he's like almost like an angel or something mm-hmm. like that or something like that and it's just one of those moments where like I'm like I was just immediately like oh that's right I'm watching a movie right like it's just kind of like okay yeah like it's so real and you're so enthralled in it like it almost feels like you're watching something like the jinx or something like that and then out of nowhere like something very fantastical and like imaginative mm-hmm. and over the, over the top kind yeah, of happens. Yeah, it's yeah. so over the top that like that's my one complaint about that movie it's the meat angel yeah the meat angel yeah um, 77 Nosferatu. Nice. 78 Walk Hard. Nice. That's Love straight it. up, that's one of the funniest movies ever. Alicia doesn't care for it at all. I don't care Literally, for Alicia. So. She doesn't even like it. She's like, no, I just didn't think I it was funny. Don't even like her. This is a great time to bring this up. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she doesn't think it's funny at all. That's. I even did that embarrassing thing where I was like, what about that scene? And then I started like reciting scenes, and she's like, yeah, no. Not funny. Like, Fuck it. Oh my. But I think it's as funny as like Airplane or Young yeah, Frankenstein. It is I, so. And it's so funny that a lot of my favorite comedies that end up on this list, parodies. Yeah, that's Spoofs, a great point. Yeah, yeah Airplane, yeah. Young Frankenstein, um, Walk Hard. Because there, I, I think there are great. Like, if something's not a spoof, yeah. it's got to have a story to it. Yeah. I mean, not that the spoofs don't, but the spoofs are a great excuse to like, hey, this is one big sketch. Yeah. So you can just cram as many fucking jokes mm-hmm. in here as possible. Yeah. And the thing, uh, like with like Airplane and Naked Gun and all those, you know, classics. Very, yeah. very, very, very funny. But I don't know what it fucking is about Walk Hard. Almost every single joke makes me fucking die. <laughs> yeah. It is so good. Yeah. Oh. I think part of that is also like the parody, like exactly what you're saying, but like I'm going to piggyback on to like clarify. It's almost like you can put the the story on the back burner. Like, I, as an audience, yeah. member, don't even have yeah. to care about it. Because it's a parody. You know yeah. where it's going. Exactly. And I feel like, even if you're not doing a parody, that's how you kind of have to do a comedy. Because, like, same thing with the producers, right? The idea of the producers is that Gene Wilder... Uh, have you seen the original? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. No, I haven't. Sorry. Uh, he's, like, with the IRS. And he's neurotic. And he's going to do the books for this guy, played by Zero Marcel, who uh, has sex with old ladies to finance his plays. Cool. But he spends most of the uh, money, like, on himself, just getting by kind of a thing. Like, he doesn't cool. actually put the money into his production. And Gene Wilder's like, yo, this is illegal. And he's like, come on, buddy, cook the books for me. And for some reason, he says yes. And then Zero Marcel's like, how about this? How about we make a movie for nothing? And we make a movie that's guaranteed to make nothing. But we get finance for like 4,000% of what it would actually kind of like cost or whatever. Take that money and fuck off to like Belize or something like that, right? So they do this. The movie goes on with like them trying to locate the script. They get it. They make it. Yada, yada, yada. It opens on Broadway. They watch the first half. People fucking hate it. It's called Springtime for Hitler. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking script about how, like, Hitler was actually the good guy. Like, it's like a Nazi defect uh, defector that, like, they wrote the script yeah. and shit. They go to the bar at, at like, halftime, 
and they're drinking and they're listening to people talk about how shit this fucking play is. They're getting hammered. And again, you know where this is going. Yeah. Um, second half, they fucking love it. They end up getting caught for their scheme and going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends with them doing the same racket in prison as they're trying to have the prisoners like put on a play kind of a thing and they're, you know, selling whatever, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, uh, but it's one of those things where, like, again, it's a comedy. The ending is telegraphed from the beginning because it's not supposed to be a, ah, gotcha, or interesting. It's supposed to focus on just being funny, right? Yeah. And, again, like, the way that you think that movie's going to end is the funniest way it could end. The fact that they go to the bar thinking it's awful and unbeknownst to them while they're getting hammered, people are loving the movie yeah. across yeah, the yeah. street. That's so funny. That's really good. Anyways, 79 Scream. Nice. This one you're not going to like. Uh-oh. I have a very small justification that's obviously going to probably not be a big deal, and you're going to probably be pretty upset. Uh, but Friday the 13th. Well, I'm not upset about that. Um, one of the biggest things being, uh, and I, I genuinely, I, I think it's kind of a big deal. I don't know. I, I really do. I think it would be shocking today. It does that great, great thing where the whole time, because of our cultural assumption about slasher films, you think it's a man doing it. Yeah. And then that fucking bait and switch. That it's Jason's mom. You know, I also probably think it's a man. Huh. This is because before they take the mask off, it's very clearly a man. <laughs> 81, American Psycho. Nice. Um, Haven't seen that in a good long time. Yeah. It's such a wild ride. Again, it's one of those things where, like, what a weird fucking movie. I've read the book. What a weird fucking book. Um, it's odd. It's very odd. For your main character to be a guy who eats people's brains and stuff like that, and yet, I mean, he's like a psychopath. It's like Nightcrawler or whatever. Like, he's just such a bad guy, and yet, for some reason, you like him a little bit, kind of. It is. Like, I, I think the thing with Nightcrawler and American Psycho is I think that movie, hinge, those movies hinge almost entirely on the actor. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. And also, fun fact, directed by a woman. Yeah. Uh, that's really neat. And honestly, like, super fucking rare for... Fun fact, uh, the when the book came out, you know, people were very upset about it. Yeah, that's an upsetting book. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, have it, I have it on Audible, and I think about listening to it all the time. I'm like, yeah, but I've read some of this, and yeah. it's very upsetting. Oh, it is. There's, like, two or three pages where you're, like... Is just hanging out in an apartment, eating dead people that he has like laying around, and he's like putting it in his microwave, and like it like blows up or something, then it gets all over his microwave, and he's like cleaning it up and stuff, and I'm like, oof. But, but then there's this also there's this one point where like he has like like what I can only call like probably like a panic attack, like in the middle of like Wall Street or Times Square or whatever, and like the whole like it's only two or three pages, but it's a chapter technically, is written without spaces or punctuation wow. and it's like this really neat thing where like you're like it makes you on you like you feel like you're having a panic attack you're like reading it. it sounds so cheesy and like it wouldn't work but it fucking works yeah and it's really neat um but fun fact there's like a group of moms against it yes. very much so they're like trying to keep it out of where book uh, out of bookstores and shit like that leader of the group christian bale stepmom interesting yeah this next one makes the list of movies that i would make you watch i'm gonna make a small list of the three the top three that i want to make you watch um, which are, the final one's going to be the reveal. Uh, Dementia slash Daughters of Horror, whichever one is the one that doesn't have the cheesy narration. Uh, Carnival of Souls. And The Old Dark House. Okay. I think it came out a year before, or like the same year as Frankenstein. And it's uh, akin to something like Scream, in a sense. In the sense that the old dark house is actually a genre of horror films that by that point had already been played to death. Yeah. 
Uh, and even uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Show is an old dark house movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, people are traveling overnight. It's rainy. Their car breaks down, and they stumble upon an old dark house. And inside the old dark house, weird shit happens, right? Something I don't like about this movie is, again, that scream quality that it has or whatever you want to call it, where, like, it's very focused on being funny and kind of being a comedy and stuff like that. But then the creepy shit is fucking creepy. Yeah. Right off the bat, there's these weird-looking, like, brother-sister, and they're like, you can't be here. You got to get out of here. And then they have, uh, like, this mute, deaf, like, brutish butler that shows up. And they're like, uh, oh, God, like you better not be here when he gets drunk kind of a thing. And then, like, later on in the movie, they're like, oh, my God, he did get drunk. And, like, then they start talking about how, like, their dad's in the attic, but he's, like, locked. And he's not locked up there, but he's up there. And then, but then we can't talk to him. But then, like, they go and talk to him. And he starts talking about their brother, like, Ezekiel or something like that. They're like, uh, they're like, you know, he's talking about himself. I, maybe in the third person. It's just creepy. He's just like, he's like, old Henry had three kids. Two of them turned out normal. But one of them turned out bad. Wrong. His name's Ezekiel. And we all keep him locked in the attic. And then, like, later on, someone's like, oh, shit. The door to Ezekiel's room's unlocked. Ezekiel's out or whatever. And, like, he starts going on about, like, the Bible and shit. And he's, like, going to burn the house down with, like, everybody inside of it. And it's really an unsettling and creepy and fucked up, like, surreal, like, movie. Wow. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so that's a fantastic film. I love yeah, it. Very interesting. Love, love, love it. Uh, 53, sorry, not 53, 83. Hiroshima Mon Hiroshima My Love. Um, another weird French New Wave movie, but not like Breathless different excuse me I want to say it's Agnes Verda um, and I want to say that it was actually let me see oh yes so it's written by the same woman I'm sorry it's not Agnes Verda it was actually directed by a man what I'm thinking of is that it was written by the same woman who wrote and directed India song Marguerite Duras okay Anyways, it was initially supposed to be like a fucking uh, like documentary about the Japanese people and like Hiroshima and stuff like that and like World War II and like the atrocities of like the bomb. But then it ended up being like kind of like this romance that she wrote about like a woman who's from France in Japan and like falls in love with the Japanese guys. But again, it's another movie where like I'm struck by it, right? Yeah, strings it, it strikes a chord in me. But much like Chinatown gotta watch it again because there's some fucking shit I don't understand with like I think the woman was like locked in the basement for like her whole life or something like there's just some weird shit going on that like I definitely don't understand but making the list I couldn't not put it on there so let's keep blazing through I'm interested in that one too as well uh 84 kids okay and I'm pairing this with 85 Requiem for a Dream have you seen Requiem for a Dream uh no those are two movies that I like and equally dislike, kind of, but also really like. They're the two most upsetting movies I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah. They are hard to watch. And I think they do, in my opinion, the kind of thing that, like, Saw tries to do. Where it's like, oh, man, I can't look at this. I can't believe you're making me watch it. But it's real life fucked up. You know what I mean? It's not like a human being killing another be- human being necessarily. It's just someone... Like... like We've talked about kids before. Spoilers. It ends with, like, just a brutal, disgusting, like, real rape scene. Yeah. Like, where, like, someone just passed out at a party, and the dude just goes at it kind of a thing. And, like, the crux of the film also, like, it's just... (sighs) Harmony Corinne, you're a maniac. 
is that like this woman had sex well not I shouldn't say woman this girl I think they're underage this girl has sex with a boy the boy is spending the whole movie talking about how like man I love fucking virgins I love taking fucking girls little pussy virgins gross very gross but the girl knows something he don't know she knows that she's HIV positive she's only had sex with one person he's got HIV and he's spending the whole movie talking about like man we're going to the party tonight and I'm gonna fuck another virgin you know, so again, you have to watch that too. At the end, they make you watch that, and the whole time you fucking know. And like, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna spoil it. There's a point where she fucking walks into the room, sees it happening, knows it's too late, and just walks out of the room. Oh, God, it's rough. A fucked up movie. Fucked up. That bu- I'm <laughs> bummed now. I yeah. haven't seen the movie. Watch yeah. it. Uh, I will. I will. Like, but it makes the list, and so does Requiem for a Dream, because like. While it's disgusting and disturbing and it makes me uncomfortable, I can't believe a movie can make me feel that. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Yeah. I can't believe a movie can make me feel that. Yeah, there are a few movies I'm thinking for my list where it's like, yeah, no. It is only on this list because I left that movie going, fuck. Yeah. God damn it. So Kids and Requiem for a Dream both fall into that category. I'm going to say 86. Maybe you'll be mad. I don't know. Birdman. Oh, nice. I was thinking about Birdman on mine as well. 87, maybe you'll be mad about this one, because this is kind of where it starts to get really kind of maybe subject. I don't know. These all made lists. These all made top 100 of the 90s, top 100 of the 2000, top 100 comedy. Swingers. Okay. Yeah. Swingers, but no Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> well, like I said, I wanted to have more of my flavor. I didn't yeah, want no, to necessarily just yeah. be like... Star Wars, Wizard of Oz. I know that Wizard of Oz made it, but like that one's one that like just holds such a special place in my heart. Like I undeniably. Yeah, no, that's understandable. But anyways, uh, eighty-eight, Shaun of the Dead. Nice. Eighty-nine, Hot Fuzz. Nice. I think those are two fucking crazy. And you know what else? Both kind of spoofs. No, absolutely spoofs. Yeah. yeah. You know? I was gonna put um, All probably the not fucking comedy movies on here. Spoofs. <laughs> yeah, I probably wasn't gonna put Shaun of the Dead, but I was for sure Hot Fuzz is definitely yeah. making my list. I feel like I couldn't do one or the other. Those are two eight plus movies on my book. Yeah, I love I, I love Shaun of the Dead, but there's something about Hot Fuzz. Yeah, Hot Fuzz really does have something special about it. Like, it's a movie I could watch every day of my life, and I wouldn't be upset. You know when people are like, I could eat pizza every day. I could watch Hot Fuzz every day. Yeah, no, we, we watched Hot Fuzz not too long ago, I think like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Probably, it was probably like six months at this point. We also watched it all the time when we lived at the other house. Did we? Hmm? We watched it drunk one time. We were doing a drinking game. That's no, we did um, um, the one where they drink. World's End. But anyway, we watched it a few months ago, and then two days later, I watched it again. I was like, fuck, I love this movie so much, I'm going to watch Hot Fuzz again four to eight hours after seeing it. Yeah. Uh, 90, A Clockwork Orange. Uh, 91. That's four. You might be mad. That is. You might be mad about this one. Clue. You have to see Clue. You have to see Clue. Okay. And it's a spoof, too. I guess. It is. It's a spoof of, like, the whole detective, like, whodunit. Murder in the house, the lights go out, and who did it? You know, it's like Knives Out. Yeah. Knives Out is also kind of a spoof. Yeah, clue. It's a spoof of a trope that people used to take seriously that now is played up for a laugh. And another movie that just... Everybody does their part in that film, but really it's kind of carried on the back of Tim Curry. Yeah. Playing the butler. Yeah. Clue is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Even Alicia. Like, when I made her watch it on, like, our first date, she was like, okay, I'm going to watch Clue. And afterwards, she was like... No, that's pretty fucking good. It's a, pretty, it's a really, like, it's so surprising because, like, I understand. I'm also sad that I'm putting a movie on my top 100 list that is an adaptation of a fucking board game. 
but it's just like the Lego movie. Like, they did not have to treat it with the respect they treated it with. You know what I mean? I haven't seen this. Yeah. But I'm going to say, if I was a betting man. Yeah. You watch Clue, and this girl goes, I like this guy, so <laughs> I'm going to tell him, yeah, all right, I really like Clue. Hey, also a movie that 100% made top 100 lists. Not even specific ones. Clue? Yeah. Okay, nice whatever. Um, also, three separate endings. Yeah. There's I'd, no canonical ending to it. I do think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how they'd break that up. I don't know if they'd do that different based on what movie theater you went to. I think like it was random. I think yeah. it was random. Which uh, whenever you saw it in the theater, yeah. they would play a different. Yeah, uh, on my DVD, I think you have the option to have either a random one or to play all three. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, uh, ninety-two Spirited Away. Nice. Uh, ninety-three. This one is a little egregious, perhaps, but I think this is, in my opinion, probably the movie that I'm putting on here. This is another one that I. I think it did make lists of, like, top 100 indie, top 100 of the 2000. But I think it's a sleeper. I really think it's a sleeper. I think it's something people really sleep on. The Darjeeling Limited. Okay. It's, uh, the, I think, I'm pretty sure, if I were a betting man, I would say that I'm right. I think it's the only Wes Anderson movie that's not in the Criterion Collection. Mm. And it was also one of his movies that wasn't, it was, like, I think, made by, like, a bigger, quote-unquote, studio than usual. I think it's, like, something like Fox Searchlight instead of being on, like, yeah. An even more obscure one or whatever it is. Anyways, so it's a little, like, tonally off, and it feels strange. It doesn't feel entirely like a Wes Anderson movie. It kind of feels like he, like, co-wrote it with somebody else or something. Um, but, yeah, it's about three brothers. Their dad recently passed away, and they're all kind of grieve- grieving, right, dealing with it. And they go on this trip through India. And, yeah, there's just, like, not on the level of kids, but there's just something, like, fucked that kind of happens, like, halfway through it that, like, just caught me way off guard. Even before that, I was really into it, though. This whole thing where, like, three separate people are all grieving the same thing, but in their own ways. And, you know, it's also Wes Anderson, yada, yada, yada. But then that fucked things happen. And there are things I don't like about it, but it's one of those things where it's probably my second favorite Wes Anderson movie other than The Royal Tenet of Bombs. Really, really a neat one. Uh, 94, The Princess Bride. 95, Big Trouble in Little China. 96. This is a movie that I don't necessarily, like, entirely care for, but I love and adore and admire. <laughs> don't really, like, or even remember a lot of it. But You don't care for it, but you love it and yeah, you adore it. I do. It, it, you're going to understand what I mean, I think. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. I no, think it fine. really holds a special place because, again, it's one of those things where it's like, movies can also be this, in a sense, right? Yeah. Like, it's a weird one. Uh, 97, Memento. Nice. Memento made it. That was one of the things that I mentioned when I was talking about The Dark Knight. I said, I don't even know if Memento would make it. But no, Memento makes it. Memento definitely makes it. Uh, 98, The Big Lebowski. Okay. And again, kind of a spoof, because it kind of does the North by Northwest thing, right? It's like mistaken identity, noir, right? Yeah. But it's a comedy, kind of making fun of that a little bit. But at the same time, like, always gets me as if it were North by Northwest or something. You know what I mean? Like, the Coen brothers are fucking maniacs. So good. Like, it's so funny at the same time, and it's obviously, like I said, like, kind of spoofing, uh, making a farce out of, right? And yet, I can almost respect it as, like, a legitimate noir, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, 99, uh, well, I guess Wes Anderson gets three. 
because Bottle Rocket did actually end up Very making cool. it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah, we uh, watched it together. Yeah, Bottle Rocket is really neat. Uh, and then 100, I said, fuck it, and I said, go ahead. Reservoir Dogs also gets a spot. Nice. So there you go. That's my top 100 list. It's a very respectable list. Yeah. I respect it. I respect you. Oh, thank you. And a problem. I respect you, too. Well, you haven't seen my list yet. <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to take you to task. It's also one of those things where it just inherently has to be subjective. You know, at first, like, I really thought, like, I'm about to be objective up in this bitch. I'm going to hit him with the heavy hitters on, like, 20 movies. And I was like, well, I guess there's only, like, 20 movies I really deeply, 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 deeply am passionate about. <laughs> After that, there's just movies that I'm like, I really respect that. I really love that. That was really neat. That was really cool. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like... I'm gonna be so I'm so I'm gonna be so embarrassed with mine. I feel like I'm gonna be at 15. And we're gonna be sitting here. And I'm gonna be like, Toy Story 2. <laughs> That's still respectful. There are a lot of movies like that. Like like I said, like I legitimately thought like Monsters Inc. end up on here. Yeah, but I'll be like Toy Story 2, and you're like, wow, all four Toy Story movies are on your list. <laughs> No, it's all good. Like I said, I think the most helpful thing is, like, really do try to seek out, like, best of the 90s, best of the... Because there's going to be a yeah, lot absolutely. that, like, you just don't even remember having seen, you know? And then when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, fuck. Like, The Sixth Sense? God damn. When's the last time you saw The Sixth Sense? I've never seen it. Really? Yeah. Fuck, dude. I have this... no... I'm going to spoil one thing for you. And I He's hope dead. It, I get I hope it, yeah. it doesn't water down, like, the actual scene. But my favorite scene in the movie is that... Uh, what's the little kid's name? Macaulay Culkin. What's his... Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, Haley Joel Osment. Uh, he's got this thing in his mom's apartment where he's made this little tent that's just a shrine with, like, all these fucking, like, religious pictures and, like, crucifixes everywhere. And throughout most of the movie, it's, it's established as his, like, safe place, right? And this thing that he goes where, like, no matter what, how fucked up the thing that he saw is or, like, whatever's in the apartment right now that he can see is he can't be hurt there. And then there's just this fucking scene where he's sitting in it and the ghost knocks it all down. And I fucking am crying right now thinking about it. It's such a fucking scary movie. That part specifically, I mean, like, just, God, right? You know, just have the rug pulled out from under you and, like, this yeah. whole thing where you, like, think he's so safe. And then that happens and you're like, oh, fuck. I am, no joke, still upset about the ending of kids like I've been, th- <laughs> I've been thinking about it since you said it I'm sorry because I feel like I might have undermined like the punch the movie's gonna have if you ever do watch it I like, doubt it I'm yeah. so upset right like now said, yeah like watching it like I legit held Alicia while she cry cried for like five minutes after the movie was over Oh, oh. <laughs> we watched it on VHS so it was just <laughs> as we're sitting in the room at like 11 o'clock at night as I held her she wasn't saying anything and I was like damn like yeah it was upsetting but like well, we've been dating for like four months. This is awkward. <laughs> you know? You're like, you want to watch Shark Tales? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we legit actually did put something else on. I can't remember what, but she was like, we got to watch something else. Got to cleanse the palate. I can't. We can't just like go to bed now or whatever. We got to watch something else. Have you ever seen I Spit on Your Grave? No, but I want to. You talking about the original or the remake? Both. Both? Neither. But that's another movie that honestly, like I've heard The Last House on the Left is like as upsetting as that movie is. I saw the new one. Uh-huh. Um... I, remember, I think I saw the actress on, like, Attack of the Show or something like that. Okay. And I think they give it, like, a brief overview of what it is. Like, something happens to her, and then she kills all these guys. Uh-huh. And I watched it. Oh, I think she gets raped, bro. Oh, she does. Yeah. Like I said, I saw it. And it is fucking... From, I mean, again, I was maybe 12 when I saw this. Yeah. So it probably sunk in my brain way more, but fucking brutal, dude. She gets, like, gang raped. Including by a mentally retarded person who they like the other guys force into doing it as well. 
Yeah, yikes. Um, the only reservation I have, which doesn't upset me, because I'm sure you could probably almost say that about kids, or Requiem for the Dream, it's one of those movies that, like, they're like, has expectation gone too far? Because I also don't feel like this movie says anything about what it makes yeah. everybody watch. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No. But I do want to see it. I do want to see it. And I do want to see Last House on the Left. Yeah. So anyways, there's my top on our list. And uh, I'm pretty sure we've probably gone on for way too long as it stands. What yeah. do we end up clocking in at? Uh, when we're at 40 minutes and you said, oh, I can clip through this thing. Yeah. That was one hour ago. We're at 140 right now. Wow. I'm so sorry. Thanks no, you're for having fine. the it's patience fine. to listen to this. If you do, there's no... Well, no, you specifically. Oh, yeah. No, I'll have... I'll Two hours to of listening to me talk about my 100 favorite movies. Oh, you mean currently right now? Yeah. I'm saying oh, that no. that's... Chris? Yeah. It's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Next to watching movies, I love <laughs> listening to Chris talk about movies. Okay. Was it interesting? Yeah, I had a good time. Okay. I'm sorry, what? Okay, so brief intermission to check our house for murderers. <laughs> yeah, we just heard the scariest night I've ever heard. Okay, well, we checked. We hope we're good. Yeah. We're good, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, if this fucked is up a, if someone knocked back. Yeah, if this is the last you hear from us, there's a man in our house. In the attic, specifically. Or a woman. I'm shaking. Anyways, yeah. all right. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you again. Yes. Uh, with uh, my list. Top if I, 100. If I do it. If you do it. I'll dude, do it. I'll do on. it. I'll absolutely do yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time...